Cat and Mouse was a game I learned from a library book in fourth grade, and embellished with friends until it looked nothing like the original game. The cat had a den, a circle with a five-foot diameter to protect from mice. The mice, everyone else playing, had to move in a straight line forward or backward in the 10 to 15 feet directly in front of the circle. Their goal was to make it to the cat's den. If the cat caught them, they became kittens. If they made it to the circle, it was a point. But the biggest twist was that the whole game was played on hands and knees. It was a game of teasing, of back and forth, never quite knowing who was going to end up on top. This is Girl Found. That summer I was nine, I told my parents I wanted to be baptized. The religious organization I was part of practiced baptism by immersion. Historically, baptism by immersion has been called adult baptism and was reintroduced into Christian ideology by the Anabaptists, a group of reformers primarily in Scandinavia who later became multiple denominations, including Mennonites and Baptists. Their most recognizable tenet was returning to the example of Jesus Christ from the Gospels, in which Jesus is immersed in the River Jordan by the unoriginally named John the Baptist. This was contrary to the current practice of the time, which included sprinkling infants with holy water as soon as possible after birth by the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox churches. Later, these churches confirmed their children with religious education and instruction, and at 12 were given full membership and participation in the processes of the church. All of this to say, I asked my father, a minister, to play ceremonial pool chicken in front of the church, symbolizing my dedication to its message. In other areas of the country, the religious organization I was joining baptized its members as young adults. However, the Deep South is primarily influenced in matters of religion by the Southern Baptist Convention, which consistently baptizes their young people anywhere between 6 and 11 years old. If they're old enough to say, I accept Jesus into my heart, they're old enough to be baptized. That influence of young baptism caused a good deal of peer pressure for me, and there was nothing my heart wanted more than to be baptized. I learned every doctrine of the church over the course of a couple months, beliefs which we will dive much deeper into as the story progresses. And while I did, I was learning about myself, too. It started simply. I was in Barnes & Noble with my parents, saw a girl on the cover of a book, and thought, she's really pretty. But it wasn't the crush that boys my age experienced. It was subtle. It was quiet. It was yearning. I wanted to look like her, not give her a peck on the cheek on the playground. That feeling grew into a thought that I didn't understand, but it was clear. I'm a girl, and I want to look like one, just like I feel and think and dream like one. And the game of cat and mouse began. The near miss was playing my favorite game with my two best friends, diving across the floor to avoid the cat, and the little necklace I kept in my pocket for when I was alone and could look pretty fell out. I fell on it, covering it up and stuffing it into my shorts, spinning my head around to find anyone who had caught me. I was the only one who knew. 
no one saw. The first time I got caught confirmed everything I had feared about who I was. I was dirty. I was shameful. I was gross. I knew those words. I knew the way they felt. But I still didn't know the word transgender. Next week, we'll talk about getting caught, the aftermath, and what I was told the Bible had to say about who I was. But for now, I'd like you to welcome Zoe Parsons, a longtime friend of Caroline and mine. We'll be talking about spiritual experience, so please stay tuned. Try to lean forward mm-hmm. into it, like mm-hmm. you're talking directly to the microphone instead of to me. Got it. Welcome back, everybody, to Girl Found. I'm Evan Bates, and today I have joining me Zoe Parson Parson Parsons Parsons Parsons. There are multiple Parsons. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is funny since you're a pastor's kid. Yes, Parson Parsons. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, welcome, Zoe. Thanks for agreeing to do this spur of the moment and almost in the middle of the night. I got a milkshake out of it. Okay. (laughs) That's worth it. Thank you. I hope it's worth it. Is it worth it? Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Just kidding. So, um, I would like to think that I know you pretty well, but I know that there's a lot more that I have to learn about you. So hopefully I learn a lot from this interview, as well as everybody listening. I feel like you might learn a lot of things about me through Caroline, and now you learn things through me. Yes, Mm -hmm. a more direct route. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I know that pertinent to this podcast, you have multiple roles that you have had to fill in different places in life. One of the big roles that you've had to fill is being a pastor's kid. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what's that been like for you? I know that everybody's experience being a PK is different. Was yours positive, negative, a little bit of both? What was it like? I think it, for the most part, is pretty positive. Um, I grew up going to church events and a lot of like potlucks and Christmas services and Easter services and things like that. And I think a big part is growing up in a small rural church. I feel like that was a much more close-knit community. Um, And I feel like that's more special for me as a PK because um, a lot of these old people have seen me grow up. They've Mm -hmm. known me since I was an infant. I was literally the baby Jesus in the, um, the play when I was little. And... Yeah, and now I'm in my 20s, and they've literally seen my whole life. So I think it's special in that instance of having a community that's been there the whole time, even if it's, like, through a church. Mm. Um, But, I mean, I also remember being like, oh, do we really have to go to this? Or, like, oh, I'd rather be going to a friend's house, but I have to go to this church thing. So, like, of course it always interferes with, like, some social things, but I think it's important overall in making me see and understand people in so many different ways because I feel like I may not necessarily 
myself believe in a lot of the things I learn in church or see in church, mm-hmm. but it helps me put myself in other people's positions and see how they may see things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a important role to play because a lot of the time people can just attack you and just come at you and whether it's like people bringing up Christianity and politics or things like that. Um, So I feel like it's important that I have this kind of community role where I may not necessarily believe all the things I know or experience, but I can definitely listen to you and Mm -hmm. like feel for you kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's been a mostly positive experience for you. Um, I, before we go any further, I just want to make note, I hope all of you enjoy listening to ASMR because in the <laughs> background of our interview this evening, you can definitely hear Sansa, the oldest of the cats, chowing down um, and Late she won't stop snack. and I've just given up. So I hope you enjoy the background noise. Anyway, um, so th- yeah, it's interesting that you've had a largely positive experience from your um, childhood as a, a pastor's kid. I think it's interesting that you've grown up in the same church your whole life. Yeah, we, or mostly. we so my, my family's from Miami. And when we moved here, we went straight to the Saluda United Methodist Church. And we were there until I was, I don't know, five maybe. Mm-hmm. And then we went to this other church in Horseshoe, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. For just a little bit. Um, and then my dad went back to doing Saluda. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a little bit of a switch up, but for the most part, I've been pretty much at Saluda United Methodist Church my whole life. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I never spent more than three years at the same church mm-hmm. growing up, except for one where I was there for 10 years, but yeah. that was the anomaly for yeah. sure. They don't normally allow pastors to be at a church and that's that so long. funny to me is like i've since i have this one experience i've always thought like oh you go to one church and you stay that one church mm-hmm. but my dad was like oh no the bishop chooses where you go mm-hmm. and the bishop can send you wherever whenever mm-hmm. so it's just so interesting because you can you can pick a permanent home and you can have like be like i would like to stay here but you never really know so i just thought it was interesting that for the from what i've heard the methodist church also does short stints as well, um, usually for yeah. their ministers. So it's interesting that you had the experience of staying at one place for a yeah, very long time. For a while, I thought it was pretty normal that l- long stints were the norm. But I mean, my dad told me about the bishop decides when and where you can move. So I thought it, it was a norm, but obviously not. Hmm. Yeah. So into this um, very positive culture that you were raised in, from what I'm understanding, mm-hmm. Um, I want to know a little bit more about your personal life as you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a moment or a process where you realized that you might be different from other people? Hmm. I feel like it depends on what other people you talk about because my dad and my mom both went to seminary and they're both very liberal Democrats. Gotcha. And we live in rural conservative North Carolina. Right. So I 100% feel different um, when it comes to Christianity and religion and all those things because 
I do feel accepting of the LGBTQ community and mm-hmm. um, different races. And I also believe that you can believe in whatever religion you want to. But growing up in my high school, of course, there was a fellowship of Christian athletes and like mm-hmm. everyone was so religious. And I feel like we prayed all the time for sporting events and whatnot. So I feel like I definitely identified as a, as different in my this particular community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it depends on what community you're in. So like mm. in the college I go to, it's predominantly Jewish. So, um, of course I have a different perspective there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, since this podcast is primarily the union of queerness and religion, mm-hmm. I was curious if you could tell me a little bit about how you see yourself identity-wise. And I only ask this question because we already talked about it earlier, made sure that you were okay talking about this a mm-hmm. little bit. I definitely don't want anybody to think that I was putting you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. So my identity as like who I am myself or within religion? Specifically your sexual identity. Okay. Yeah. Um, I honestly... I don't really know. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I would say I'm a straight white girl, which if you look at me, I obviously am. But I mean, I have had experiences with girls. I've hooked up with girls a lot and I do find women attractive and I have enjoyed all my experiences with girls. But of course, I'm currently dating a man. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm, and I'm also, I feel like I'm not necessarily, like, um, what's the word? Like, well versed in all of the education and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I don't know how to identify my, identify myself. Um, so I just say I'm a straight girl, but I'm also, gotcha. I feel like I'm open to new experiences, new thoughts, new ideas, things like that. That makes sense. So yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks. This church that you were raised in. Mm-hmm. So you talked about the dichotomy between your parents who were raised, who were um, university educated, liberal, Democrat, and then you talked about that contrasting with the church. Um, did you find the church a welcoming and supportive the local church that you were in did you find it to be a welcoming supportive inclusive place or were there times when you wondered if um if you might fit in because you looked like what people wanted you to look like does that make sense yeah totally it's an interesting question because when i think about it i feel like my church almost never had the opportunity to Mm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, my town is, we literally looked it up earlier, population like 690 or something yeah. like that. Tiny as heck. So, and it's a completely white community, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this one woman in my church who is black. And the thing is uh, about like rural southern conservative people i feel like they're very like hush hush about things Mm -hmm. so like they may think something but they're gonna be so nice to your face right so i don't really 
and I don't spend much time at the church unless it's like Sunday or mm-hmm. it's like a s- certain special event, but I don't mm-hmm. do like clubs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they've been kind and good to the singular black person in my church, mm-hmm. but I don't know like what they say mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. behind like closed doors kind of thing. And I don't think that I know of there has ever been like a gay person or anything like that in my church. Hmm. It's interesting. So you don't know how they would necessarily. Exactly. I don't know how they would. And I was asking my dad because the election was so recent. I was like, who voted for Donald Trump? Who voted for Biden? He's like, well, I won't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And two, we don't really talk about politics at Mm. this church. It, it's something that they don't really want to talk about. Mm. And I think that's to try and keep the niceties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because if they dig too deep, then everybody might not be getting along and mm-hmm. feel, be feeling the sense of unity exactly. that they feel before. They just, much. they all connect over, except I don't know. It's, again, I don't know what's going on in like the women's club, sure. what they talk about, but like at church or at meals. They just talk about local small town gossip, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and like gardening. I don't know. That's basically (laughs) it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, That's a different perspective that I haven't necessarily heard yet. Like everybody's embroiled in this debate and they're just hanging out here. Mm -hmm. Not exposed to any of it yeah and i feel like in a way that's not good because Mm -hmm. i mean you have to talk about it sometimes Mm -hmm. and like the whole idea of like ignoring it i feel like you can't do that about a lot of things or it'll eventually come and like bite you in the butt Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that's happened and i just haven't been paying attention Mm -hmm. or my dad just doesn't tell me these things Mm -hmm. or they just literally in the bajillion years that this church has been together, they just don't talk about politics, don't talk about hmm. race, anything controversial. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your personal experience with religion. Where do you see yourself right now? I feel like I've always gone through the motions. I've never necessarily really believed in all of it and of course as a kid I did the thing where I would like go to church and like lay in the pew and just zone out not paying attention to anything I did that for so long as a kid and then I went off to college and I feel like I'm not necessarily a religious person and I I, I've never read the bible all the way through I'm honestly, I sound like the worst PK. I don't know anything <laughs> about the Bible. Um, I do, I do ask questions at times, and my dad does like to s- sometimes talk to us about the Bible and whatnot. But I do really appreciate the tradition of it almost. Mm. Like, I remember my freshman year of college. So my university, I don't really understand how it works, but it's a Methodist school Mm. technically Mm -hmm. but it's not really a religious school it's just affiliated um 
So right across the street is a Methodist church. Mm. And I went for Easter my freshman year and I was like, it was so amazing. Mm. I just loved the aspect of, I know what's going to happen next. I know Mm -hmm. like, I liked, oh my God, I love singing in church. I'm a horrible Mm -hmm. singer, but I love to sing. Um, It's just so fun and so Mm -hmm. pretty and so nice. And I I think I just liked the tradition of it. And it it did feel like home to me. Like even though it was in Washington, D.C., it wasn't my small rural hometown Mm -hmm. church. It was comforting because I knew everything that goes on kind of. Mm -hmm. And again, I guess it was comforting to go through those motions, even though I don't always believe in those motions. If that makes sense. Yeah. Just the, the tradition of it, the the routine Mm -hmm. of, um, I think there's the uh, calmness and reassurance in doing something that you're familiar with. Yeah. And also witnessing other communities work is kind of calming and soothing to me Mm -hmm. even though it's not my own church community and I don't know the people in that church it was nice kind of like sitting in the back of the church and just watching like little kids like say say hi to old people and families meeting up and whatnot because yeah when you find a church you usually go to that church every Sunday for a while Mm -hmm. um and so you build a little bit of a community so it's it's just soothing I like the community aspect that comes with church and religion and spirituality sure Hmm. well one more question for you before we run out of time for today Mm um how do you see how do you see the christianity that you were taught growing up reconciling with queer identities so there's a lot of polarizing ideas mm-hmm. about, um, you know, there are the people who don't believe in the Bible at all. You know, they've moved beyond it, um, discarded it, see it there, see some value in it. Um, but it's not, it's not the law of the land per se, mm-hmm. kind of where I am, kind mm-hmm. of where Caroline is, what we've talked about there. Um, and then there are people who um, use the Bible as a weapon, mm-hmm. as a tool. Mm-hmm. And then there's a huge spectrum in between. And I was wondering how you see Christianity with queer identity. Hmm. I feel like that is a topic that could be talked about for forever and also talked about in so many different perspectives. Sure. Um, I don't really know. I feel like there are so many different pieces in the Bible that you can take in so many different directions. And then, then again, I'm talking about the Bible. I don't really know anything about. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I feel like, yeah, there's people like you who read the Bible and appreciate it for what it is, but you don't have to take it at face value Mm -hmm. and then there are people who are like it says what it says and i will believe it to its full extent Mm -hmm. and i feel like there are like you can find pieces that fit you and you i don't know you don't have to like weaponize it Mm 
um, and I feel, I don't know, I feel like it, you can, um, I'm not finding the words for what I'm trying to say. Just kind of mold your own identity through the Bible in your queerness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're saying just... that they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, it was interesting. We talked about this earlier this evening, and we were talking about some of the verses that are used to argue against um, queerness in mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, and they can be taken so many different ways, and we'll talk a lot more about that in the future, especially as we get more into the whole doctrine and yeah. um cult identities and all of this stuff as we balance that against you know i don't want this to become the cult podcast but i also don't want it to become the queer podcast either you know this is a special story because it incorporates both and so it'll be interesting how we weave in um the the theology behind queerness yeah. Um, as we talk more and i would love to have you back on it was a pleasure talking with you zoe oh that's awesome i had thank so much fun you. oh i'm so glad um you really got my freaking brain gears working <laughs> thank you for being so willing last oh, minute to talk with me um and a few notes of housekeeping real quick uh thank you for listening to girl found uh, please like uh subscribe share rate this podcast uh it's now available on every platform where podcasts are shared we're really excited about that um you can find it on apple Podcasts, spotify anchor and every other rss based podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts um, in the meantime i'm hoping to get a patreon started for the uh, podcast soon uh, so stay tuned for some of the ways that you can support us as we seek to tell this story. Thank you again for joining Girl Found. I'm Evan Bates, and I hope that in this coming week, you explore yourself and what it means to understand yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye.